0: Welcome to this episode of Energy Radio, a podcast by CEM Engineering with the goal of giving you the knowledge and the tools and the power to make decisions about your energy. On this episode, I'm joined by our good friend Pascal Robichaud of CEM, along with Jerry Galata and the infamous Chuck Kolking, both of Arctic Combustion. We get together to talk about the project we collectively did for York University, where we spent uh, over $15 million of capital uh, across their boiler plant and their powerhouse, uh, upgrading their infrastructure, uh, and we talk about the unique uh, implementation approach our collective teams uh, employed on this project to uh, save, budget, and schedule, and deliver a success for the client. Enjoy. So uh, so we're here with... Um, CEM's director of uh, co generation, Pascal Robichaud and we're joined by Chuck Colking and Jerry Galata of Arctic Combustion and I just want to talk about the York University job so um, we we've worked together there for what 18 months or so uh, feels like a lot longer maybe sometimes but uh, uh, it's been about 18 months since I think May of 2017 was when the SIF went in is that right Probably March, a little earlier than that, yeah. Yeah, which was an elegant process to begin with, right? Yep. Uh, Yeah. So um, maybe uh, Chuck, start, walk me through, um, you know, kind of the different roles of different players uh, in terms of what was done there, who was who, and and then we'll just go from there. Okay,
1: uh, probably back up a little bit. Sure. The facility uh, is uh, uh, Central Utilities Facility at the York University, um, big facility, two, uh co-gen units uh uh three operating boilers at the time one boiler that was decommissioned based on a, a fire um, a lot of chilled water etc um challenge with any kind of facility like that is to uh, improve holistically or in one big push is very hard as far as capital spend etc so facility was trying to get things done and have a overarching vision but try to spend their maintenance money and their capital money uh, effectively to meet that vision, and it was, uh, it was tough, a lot of work, a lot of things, and they were being somewhat successful, but uh, in the, from a observation standpoint, they were getting to where they wanted to go from a real energy producer. Um, and uh, on the opportunity of the SIF funding, it let uh, York University with support from CEM and uh, some support from ARDIC, who had you know, quoted in the past you know, islands of automation, etc., it let them put everything on the table together and say, how do we get what we want to get in one real good go? And so with a lot of effort by CEM and, again, York, and participation a little bit by ourselves, the uh, report went in and funding was approved, including uh, support from the Board of Governors of the University of York, to get a basket of money yeah. um, that had really probably five major pillars. Um, yeah, I, was,
0: I was gonna ask that, uh, maybe Pascal can jump in here. What we kind of divided the project into four or five buckets is that is that like what from a scope perspective what was the project
2: yeah we had the uh uh, the, the biggest one was the boiler upgrades project so uh they had two old boilers that they basically removed out of the facility uh they were old antiquated uh one of them was was damaged from a previous incident so we had to remove those two boilers and install a new one uh so that was the boiler number two project uh another Uh, another part of the project was basically the upgrades to their keel sub. Uh, Their keel substation uh, was their high-voltage substation, one of only two that supplies the entire campus. So, uh, again, it's always been a a reliability issue with them to have the old sub in place uh, because it had old um, uh, protection and controls on it so it was definitely to their advantage to upgrade the entirety of the controls of the of their protection and controls on the keel sub to basically increase the reliability so that was one one big part of their infrastructure upgrades uh another thing that we did as a separate package was to replace one of their old uh, wooden cooling towers mm. into a pre-packaged unit uh, along with a control um, uh, an, an electrical house or an e-house as we call it like a modular uh, uh, room where they could actually supply power to it and um, and also have a, a separate node of, of controls from the delta V side of things and that's
0: that's where you fell in love with e houses right
2: yep yeah, that, that's for sure um, it was it was an experience to go in that direction Actions. yeah <laughs> it was an experience to go in that direction um it didn't go quite as we had planned in terms of budget and schedule uh it was a challenge uh challenge on delivery as well um so but it was definitely a the, the big lesson learned there on that one we
0: just brought in a work package where we're doing a an electrical building up in Timmins for a mine and it came in and, and it hit i don't know what meeting we were in. to hit the radar and it was tabbed as an e-house. And Pascal, pretty cool, calm and collected, he's like, e-house? We're not doing another e-house, are we? Um, and so we clarified, no, no, it's an electrical building, it's a misnomer, uh, and so we calmed down his uh, his blood pressure. But uh, yeah, as you say, it was a learning opportunity, I think, for all of us, yes. right? Yeah, yeah. And then there was a fourth scope element around the turbines.
1: Yeah. So there was, again, I think there was really, uh, the, the verticals that started were uh, four. It was sort of cooling tower upgrade, uh, boiler, Four upgrade, border two, which is a new one, and then the cogens, mm. and so those are the sort of four verticals, and, and budgets were aligned under those four, uh, with some you know provisions for some of the what I call wish list items, but some of these things that we we needed to get done that just weren't going to get done. So those are the four uh, big verticals, and um, uh, again, border four was their workhorse old yeah. border, but it needed to be um, um, repaired physically. Um, and also, uh, you know, uh, controls and everything were, you know, upgraded to, you know, be the same level that the plant was sort of uh, striving for.
0: Yeah, yeah. Now, I want to get into kind of the way the two companies work together, but maybe Jerry, before that, what was, I mean, you guys really had some level of involvement prior to, like, what, what, what was Arctic's involvement before everything kind of got off the ground?
3: Well, we had a maintenance contract with, with York for years, and... We were trying to maintain antiquated equipment. They were we were talking about pneumatics. They were sending pneumatic wow. signals from from the ground level from the boilers up to the control room, and just soon after uh, I started with with Arctic in 2013, they had a they had a water leak into the pneumatic system, which created some major concerns. And now all of a sudden, all these lines, all these signal lines were contaminated with water that had to be bled and dried. and It was really quite an issue. And we were seeing uh, issues years later from from this circumstance. But it was uh, obvious that uh, this old stuff was not going to be reliable, and and that became part of the major scope to to change this. So what was the, uh,
0: presumably you guys were making aware, and the operators were very aware of the state of the Mm -hmm. affairs, what took it from that to, hey, we got to go get, like, was there a person? Was there a, uh, was there a major? Like, wh- what caused it to go from there to, uh, hey, we're going to spend, f- you know, how many millions of dollars?
3: Well, unfortunately, they, uh, they had Delta V already uh, in, the pl- in the control room, not servicing the boilers. They okay. were servicing the chillers and some of the other equipment. Um, but it was, it was apparent and easy to be able to integrate that as part of the, or, or look at the, the, the big vision as I part see. of that scope. Okay, okay. Um, w- I think we have to maybe pay a little tribute to, to Brad because Brad Cochran was certainly uh, a w- had a great vision of being yeah. able to find money and he, uh, he worked hard to, uh, to find a boiler, he was sourced that out, he, and he also mm. understood that the potential for money from this sift project was there Let's uh, let's cash in and make it make it happen.
1: But I think when I look at the the, the key to success is that we we, bu- we we created a budget and we had these four major or five major verticals, and then um, I I think the key was that uh, between York University, Arctic, and CEM, we we came up with a um, uh, a project execution plan that um, uh, enabled us. To sit down and a lot of the work that we did, Pascal, myself, and and Brad was we took those four major verticals and probably 20 line items of, of funding, and that uh, ballooned. It didn't balloon actually. It got the resolution went from 20 to just over 100, and those line items were anything from five grand up to two million. Yeah, and it was those five grand items were all the things that we had caught or knew about, or an operator knew about or Arctic knew about that. Hey, listen, we need to get here. There's asbestos here. Nobody knows. So, if we're going to do that, we got to remove that. It was taking that budget and then putting um, context and definition to that level that let us get all hundred things done, not just the 20 big things. And so, what we left behind was, in my mind, was the you know, we we got everything done. The key, though, is that those understanding of that $5,000. It was an operator right. it was the chief or the new chief it was the assistant chief um, the electrical switch gear upgrade was kind of nested under one of these major verticals being the um, I think it was the cooling towers it probably was you know um, uh, total cost it was probably um, you know percent 2% of the total budget it probably in my mind um, in retrospect it had value that was sure was way beyond two percent you know
2: yeah
1: and that was really what what it was is that we could have walked away done it a traditionally and given them spent their money right give them a you know kind of a, a foundation for where they want to get to but we 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 the foundation is complete and now we're really doing what they wanted to do which is single all information comes up through one platform in this case it's delta v all the building management side is in, um, is Metasys. We really are now connecting and communicating those two islands, so they can uh-huh. really do what they okay. they want to do from an energy management standpoint.
3: Yeah.
2: And on the execution side, I would say that one of the uh, you know, given all those line items we're talking about and the different verticals that we had to address, um, one of the key successful points of the project was the fact that it was done under construction management arrangement, a CCDC five B arrangement that basically allowed the customer to make, uh, to, to basically, um, you know, when there was discoveries about asbestos, for example, and uh, and, and uh, addressing another problem that, that came up, all they had to do was talk to the construction manager and basically get it done with the support of the engineer. So the flexibility that that execution had on the project was really helpful for Brad, I think, in the end.
0: So if a typical project goes, you know, customer idea, engineer's rendition of the solution, bid it out to a contractor, uh, do I understand correctly that this was a lot more of a, you guys were, as the construction manager, were engaged, A, from day one, and B, it was more of a, uh, you know, a tri-party, you know, design process
1: as you were going ahead, right? Yeah, the key to the CCDC5B is that the, and if you, you really need to look at it from the highest level, because it, 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 we looked at that and made it work, is that the engineer, the construction manager. And the customer are intimately involved at the design level, right? And it also permits the construction manager to um, execute. We, the, the term we use was self-perform certain aspects of it. So, um, does that mean you were there pulling wrenches? That's uh, well. I mean, um, mm-hmm. pulling cable and tightening. And mostly, I was just so trying we, to get past it to out of the get way. We tried to to do that. Um, <laughs> uh, I'm not, it's not that I'm not strong enough, they're just too heavy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, or you. it's not that they're too heavy, I'm just not strong enough. All right. But it, what it did do is it let us make um, uh, decisions, and in a lot of cases, the tribal knowledge of uh, right, uh, right. was a, a contractor that um, did work when there was that incident. We were able to make the decision without it getting too complicated that we were going to leverage that same contractor to facilitate instead of a bid process that would have you know taken weeks uh, the price may have got too expensive to get things done based on his knowledge and we continued to leverage our knowledge that we had gained over being the maintenance contractor there for years uh, we were able to leverage operations knowledge we were able to level as you know Pascal and his team found things we were able to you know engage the right people and 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 get things done effectively, but cost effectively, but also correctly. It was it was a really, um, it, it, it worked exactly like it's articulated in right. in in the first three pages of a CCDC five B contract.
0: And, and so so where do we feel the customer had the most benefit with this execution? In terms of was it you know schedule benefit? Was it know, um, if you think of the three dimensions of project management, you got schedule, you got cost, and you got you know client client preferences or client wishes. Of those three. Um, like this, 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 uh, you know, unique approach, uh, I saw it happen from the outside looking in and it worked really well. Uh, where do they benefit the most? Do they benefit from schedule, from cost, from, you know, they got what they wanted, which you, you mentioned, or, or I mean, it could be all three, I guess, but uh, w- where do we see benefit?
2: I kind of see all three because I know on the engineering side, um, if it was done the traditional way, it would have taken a significant amount of time on the engineering side to create all the documents. Mm. To actually get this all done at once and once that was going to roll on the street then it was going to be probably you know it's the change change management happens after that that's a little more time consuming so in this case we didn't have to go we didn't have to create big packages to get the whole thing done with one or two contractors i have to manage So after
0: d- did we as far as what left our office did we communicate differently to the to the contractor than we would have in a traditional uh like in, in different less drawing less specs
1: well L- 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 Merman let me yeah, a- answer yeah. that one. So uh, the example that we use from an efficiency standpoint is these verticals that we had already like our so upgrading board four. Um, instead of uh, CEM needing to generate a specification yeah. to do you know controls, upgrade, fuel trains, upgrade, et cetera. Um, and then uh, go that going to street, et cetera, we had already we knew what was there. it was going to be delta V, some of these decisions. So our design output, so our design output was became the as-built spec, okay. and the role that CEM played, which was was they you still CEM still reviewed our output. So the engineer of record that was still happened. So it wasn't like the blind eye was say. So we still process that same format of design output review and approval execute, but we didn't have to create a bunch of documents that we were going to probably recreate ourselves because it went in the detail design. So uh-huh. there was some efficiency gain there, uh, both financially, and um, time-wise. So, um, but we didn't follow that same when we were bidding out the cooling towers. That followed, you know, there was logical scopes that followed right. the normal practice. Right, right. Um, okay. So ultimately, I think that they got exactly what they wanted. Um, obviously, there's always um, some loose ends, but I think they're minimized. They got probably more done than they originally hoped to. Like I said like 20 items versus 100. Yeah. Um, overall, uh, you know, we're that's 18 million dollar total project. We're gonna we're running still um, a contingency, and the project will be wrapping up in the next you know four weeks. So okay. we're gonna be giving some money back. Okay. And then on the schedule side, I think um, uh, there is the natural putting it to the street, getting a bid, etc. But then we were we had the luxury, or they had the luxury of uh, knowing that we knew that they have a process that takes time. Um, they were able to leverage us as a sort of a general contractor to pull the trigger on some of these things a little sooner than, than um right and than, then would their normal process would have right. uh, uh, permitted yeah yeah
0: and mm-hmm. that was another question i had was um you know in a public sector job typically there's a, a competitive process maybe, maybe jerry maybe you know you were part of this but like how do we i mean how did you Circumvent that, and, and is the, is this is this repeatable, uh, or or was this a, was this a one-off? Like, w- no, were you at the table when, when, when it was decided it was going to be you know these these and two guys leading the effort, I or was it?
3: Chuck was uh, was the main okay driver okay. there for that uh, that negotiation? So you have you know you got a better handle on how that handled. It was pretty amazing, and, and he was quite happy, and everybody was pleased that it did go that route. Yeah, and I think it was partially because of timing and partially because we had the the knowledge of the plant, okay and you know to allow if it had to take the time to go out to the street people would have been spending a lot of time to try and understand what, would, what the whole school Yeah was. okay
0: so it was really driven by hey we have this much time to spend the government's money mm-hmm. and you know you guys you guys were there we kind of were there um, and uh, and this was the only way they could do it. Is that right? Yeah,
1: yeah. But uh, we still we definitely uh, crossed our T's and dotted our I's, There was a lot of work on fair market value. Okay. Uh, okay. That was done. That. Yes. Um, so we followed the the procurement process earlier, and it was a lot of heavy lifting to say that, you know, um, even though some of their standards were were preferred, they weren't necessarily justified from a fair market value. So, uh, example would be the Delta V control system. We did a lot of work with. Um, uh, other customers and themselves to say that this the delta v which was x amount of money uh... percent of the job i think the total percent was probably in the you know fifteen percent um, that that solution was fair market value against right. um, uh, similar solutions
0: so if it, if if this ever ends up ministry of health and long-term care listens to this uh, we, we went through a lot of work to get oh yeah proof that, yeah, yeah. Fair, fair market value right
1: and and again it was even again how do you use justify using your preferred vendors right um there is a you know if everything's time and materials you know that's easy to justify but we we definitely to control cost for wherever and whenever possible we we were able to use um preferred vendors um uh, suppliers of choice but we definitely made sure scope was clear and then drove it to fixed cost, stipulated price, even, you know, um, our own work was all, your work and our work was all considered stipulated, which meant, you know, you know, that the trust that we did a good job on estimation up front was, they definitely trusted us and held our, held our uh, feet to the fire to say that, you know, you knew enough and, you know, we walked the walk and we, we, I think we did a good job making sure that our folks walked the walk because the reason why they were being selected was because they knew the facility, right, right. right. Okay. Um, but yeah. we didn't circumvent, I think, the process. Right. So okay. what what didn't work? Anything not work? I mean,
0: this all sounds roses, but clearly some things didn't work.
2: Um. Well, one of the things that didn't go as smoothly, I guess, was uh, I would say um, the engineering. Um, I, I guess the, the decision was made to purchase a boiler that was already built. Okay. Uh, so that was the installation of boiler number two, and because of that, and originally the built the boiler was built for a different purpose than m- it was supposed to be a rental unit, basically uh, oh. so- something that was going to be uh, mobile, um, and it was ha- it had to be installed in the context of being a, a fixed boiler. Um, so we 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 stumbled a little bit on the engineering on that okay. to basically try to uh, find the details of how to you know. The engineering drawings attached to that weren't really suited for uh, an, an actual permanent installation installed uh-huh. by a third party. So we had to find ways to get around that.
0: Okay. So in terms of quality of shop drawings and things of that nature. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. As okay. it
2: applied to the to the installation, we had to do. So. Right.
0: Did we run into any TSSA headaches as, as a result? No. Mm-hmm. No.
2: No. That was pretty smooth. Yeah. Okay. So some of the things
1: uh from a t- we we definitely took those things or those challenges off the table. So the 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 this boiler. We it was supplied with basic as a pressure vessel, and then all the fuel safety and all the other things we managed ourselves, and it was.
0: Did you supply trim and boiler trim we, and that kind of stuff? Uh, they
1: provided a limited set of information, all pressure vessel boundary. Okay, limited, yeah. and then all yeah. instrumentation, the design, of the instrumentation, etc., was by yourselves, and then the automation, the fuel trains, and the controls were via us, and so we were able to make sure that the stand, plan standards were met, but also take the control of TSSA and any kind of you know, um, challenges. You know, post installation or post design, there was none.
0: Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. So
1: is that boiler making steam now? Yeah. It, we went to the, it, yeah. It's you know MCR. Um, okay. Um, you know, good. And it, again, the the goal that we have now is that there's, it's a, to uh, make sure that it, it meets its other performance guarantees that they you know, they're part of was part of the SIF package itself. There was some.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I forgot, but there was there was one major. Uh, thing that happened during the uh, kill sub upgrades. They had, they had this, the switchgear actually failed. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, there was a tiebreaker fail uh, that happened midway through our upgrades project, which actually had us redirect and actually add scope to the upgrades. Um, again, I think the CCDC5B fi- CCDC setup was really beneficial that way because the university was able to act on that right away uh, get replacement switchgear ordered and um, and and actually uh, you know basically we, everybody joined in with the subcontractors the right subcontractors to go in and actually fix the fix the problem so we could carry on with our upgrades. Yeah
0: I remember going there we were going somewhere else Mark and I, Mark Unsworth and I and I went to the back of that sub and I, I'd never seen anything like it. No, like, it was unbelievable t- the, yeah. the damage that yeah. it had resulted. Yeah. Yeah. And, and,
2: and I guess what was what was terrible about it is the fact that from that point on, for several months after that, the entire university was running off of one single feeder, oh, yeah, right. which is completely nerve-wracking for somebody who manages infrastructure and energy for a campus. I mean, you're ba- basically the whole campus is hanging off one string, uh, and that was one of the big things that, eventually, we worked through, uh, finding solutions to actually put it back together. Yeah, and that was yeah. that was definitely a joint a joint effort between our uh, high voltage engineers here. Uh, Nick and his team on site, the guys from Rondar, and, every, and uh, yeah, it was, it was definitely, uh, that's a, that was a success story. Yeah, that's, that's to, what I
1: said, uh, I, the money spent on the electrical side is, uh, above ground and underground, um, yeah. is from a benefit, long-term, um, uh, high availability, reliability, uh, and I see uh, professional comfort from medium-voltage individuals on site in and operations, uh, there's no question that that is uh, one of the biggest bangs for the buck. by Yeah. You know, long yeah. Time. Yeah. You know the confidence that they have now that this wire is actually connected to something at the other end, and that right. something at the other end is actually working is yeah. is night and day.
0: So, uh, we want to take the show on the road, Jerry. Where are we going? Where are we going next with this? Like-
3: well, I mean, as far as York is concerned, they uh, th- the operators have a a much better system now okay. to, to work with. So they're they're feeling. Better about operating the equipment. They're feeling that it's safer. Uh, there was money left over, fortunately, that there was a, they were able to get a couple of things on their okay. the wish list that nice. was not initially nice. part of it. And uh, we're now working with them to make sure that it continues to run well. Okay. So we're talking to them t- tomorrow. As a matter of fact, uh, for maintenance uh, okay. for going forward nice. over the next couple of years, and uh, that probably won't need much. But if there is anything that yeah. uh, we'll be able to. To set in place a, a standard and a yeah. kind of routine thing that, that keeps them going. Cool.
0: And, uh, I mean, I would imagine industri- an industrial setting really is, is a good, you know, who need stuff guys who need to do this quickly who aren't bound by a procurement approach. Um, yeah, to absolutely. me, to me, there's a
1: lot of upside here that we should be trying to repeat this, I would yeah. think. Uh, absolutely. Again, the, I call it, I mean, the tech transfer, an old term I used to use, uh, you know, between engineering and the doers is is always a, a make or break mm-hmm. um uh, thing and that that technical transfer from owner to engineer it wasn't a sequential event right it was right. the collaboration event and yeah. um, um and it didn't alleviate you from your engineer of record responsibilities pascal i mean that was one of the drivers so i mean we don't get paid yeah um our last holdback is based on making sure that all the documentation is complete, etc. Um, you know, so it didn't leave the responsibilities. It gave them what they wanted. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I again, I think that in that space, it's difficult. In an industrial space, I think um, it, it's something that we definitely would like to. We feel it, it would promote that. You know, you know differently, and then there's certain opportunities that I think present themselves nicely for the, this type of approach. Yeah. Yeah, I think so too. Well, guys, this was
0: fun. I know you're all very busy, uh, and I know we pulled Pascal away from probably three or four meetings this morning, and uh, you guys came down here, but th- thank you for uh, humoring me and doing this. Um, I'm, uh, I know we launched this on most of you guys, but uh, you did you did well, and uh, I understood most of... Uh, you didn't use any big words, Chuck, that I didn't understand, so thank you. Um, I can't spell big words, so yeah. that's okay. <laughs> Uh, no comment that's right Uh, but no thanks guys how do you spell
1: collaboration well let's
0: start with how do you spell HRSG right? right. (laughs) thank you for listening to another episode of energy radio for more information on CEM look us up at CEMENG.ca or find us on LinkedIn Instagram and Facebook if this podcast brought you value it would mean a great deal to us if you would share it with somebody else for whom energy is a challenge Remember, we're all in this together as we search to manage our energy and environmental goals.